Hi, friends. This is episode 22 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey everybody, I am having so much fun going through this study with you about the Holy Spirit, and I am just so excited and thankful for all the emails and all the messages that you guys are sending our way to let us know how this is truly helping you have a real tangible relationship with a member of the Godhead that many of you have kind of ignored or or not even known is available to you right now. So thank you so much for being part of this journey and letting God truly move you and grow you and stretch you in this way. Now, I want to remind those of you who are just coming on board to the Bible Lab podcast that we have study guides that go along with each one of these studies, and there's one specifically for this one right at our website, www.thebiblelab.com, and it's all free. We want you to know it's available just in case this is something that would help you as you try to grow your understanding and your love for the character of God. Now, in this episode, we're taking the next step into an understanding of your new life in the Holy Spirit. And today, we're specifically looking at the Holy Spirit's power as your prayer partner. What does that mean? How does the Holy Spirit help you to pray? And what does this have to do with you discovering and enacting your life's purpose? So I'm excited that you've tuned in to this episode, and I pray that this truly will be one of those revolutionary moments for you. Welcome to the Bible Lab. You guys ready? Number one. The person next to me has had more frustration than success. The person sitting next to you has had more frustration than success. (laughs) Now, mind you, this is not a marriage and family seminar, but we might need to do that very soon. Now, I saw about 70% no, and it's because most of you are sitting next to your spouse. If I were to ask a follow-up question, say, my spouse is my greatest source of frustration, we might have a very interesting statistic, but that would take us completely off track. So let's move on to number two. The Holy Spirit's translation of our groanings means that he expresses our frustrations in a language only he and the Father can understand. Yes or no? Oh, we're split on this. A lot more split than I thought we might be. It looks like we're predominantly yes, maybe 55% yes, about 40% no, and the rest of you are saying, Ice, you have a trick question here again. And so you have the yes and no cards up at the same time. Number three, the Holy Spirit does not literally help us to pray. He is more of a conduit that helps to deliver the message to the Father. Oh, Predominantly no, Uh, about 10% yeses, and the rest are about another 10% of yes and no, which means maybe in this class. So um, most of you are saying that he does literally help us to pray. He's not just a conduit, okay? Number four, 
talking directly to the Holy Spirit in prayer would be a great offense to the Father. See, you are the most rebellious crowd that I hang out with. Because uh, 98% of you are saying no, and some of you are saying I don't know, and a few of you are are toting the party line. Because I'll tell you, the greatest uh, critique, negative critique that I get, that I can find online, is that this guy, you should not listen to him because he's teaching people to pray directly to the Holy Spirit. And you guys are saying it's okay. God would not take offense at that. Well, let's take a look at the next one. Number five. The Holy Spirit is simply an ambassador to earth for the Father. Yes or no? Okay, it looks like about 90% no, and the rest is a split between a little bit more yeses than maybes. All right, boy, this is going to be a good discussion today, because as we continue our study into my new life which is directly talking about your new life in the Spirit. God has said, I want you to have a new experience that's different from what it was before I sent the Holy Spirit. You now have an opportunity to have a new life. And within your new life, you also have new opportunities, new resources, new tools, and new superpowers. And so today, as we take a look at Romans chapter 8, specifically verses 26 and 27 and the the verses around it, um, we're going to take a look at how within your new life do you have the opportunity to pray differently than people were able to pray before Pentecost. There is a difference, a, a tangible difference in how you can pray and the support that is available from heaven that was not available before Pentecost. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. And some of you, in the way that you've prayed growing up, I know myself, this is even now, this is a revolutionary transformational that I'm having to think about because I've, I've grown into this habit of how you pray and this habit of where I think the Godhead is. If I say, dear Jesus, oh, okay, good. I'm, if I say, dear God or our Father in heaven, okay, there. Where's the Holy Spirit? Is he running this thing uh, across the universe to God? What's, what's his role in the whole thing? I think today will be absolutely revolutionary for some of you in helping you understand a resource that you've always had but possibly never used in prayer. And so let's take a look at Scripture there at the top of your study guide. Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So first question I have for you here, raise your comment cards if you'd like to to have a microphone. When you first encountered this message in Scripture, what were you told that it meant? Scripture says that Holy Spirit helps us, he intercedes, he translates some groanings into some heavenese language that God understands. What have you been told that this section of Scripture means? Anybody? I grew up believing, and more so even when I got to college, that the Holy Spirit was listening to my heart and translating what I couldn't put into words to them, the, 
Trinity. Yeah. That's what I heard growing up. There are times when you get so frustrated, I just don't even have words. And so in my prayer, I'm like, ugh. And the Holy Spirit goes, oh, I, I, uh. And he goes up to God. He goes, uh. And it, God the Father goes, uh. And it, <laughs> you guys remember that old uh, uh, Tim Allen TV show called Home Improvement? Yeah. The guy just, ar, ar, ar. It's just a bunch of the Godhead going, ar, 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 the whole time. That's what I grew up hearing. Over here. I think we have a plan of salvation, and God makes this plan. Mm -hmm. And they decide between them what each one needs to do. Yeah. This is what I believe. This is the reason that I, what I believe is God, we pray to God in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, because sometimes we ask and don't know how to ask. Okay. And believing his love because he's a personally. Yeah. He translates exactly what I need to do. Yeah. Sometimes I ask something that is not exactly what he knows how to ask. Oh, that's brilliant, Anasio. We are getting there. We have a saying in this class, you are a man ahead of your time. You're about 15 minutes ahead of your time, <laughs> so don't get cocky. But that's where we're going. Okay, anybody else before we move? Back here, yes. Don't we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? That means there is no difference between the three. They have different functions. Somehow we cannot explain it. Like in Revelation says, the sevenfold spirit who is sent out into the world. So the Holy Spirit is an agency that is absolutely closely connected or is actually, he is God, if you, if you look at it very accurately. Mm -hmm. And so we have always a connection, spirit, um, the, the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's no difference. Yeah. I appreciate that, Heinz, because um, to, to follow up on one of our yes and no questions, you know, if we are saying that the Father would be so offended if you uh, talk to the Holy Spirit instead of him. We ask this question in the Bible Lab consistently. What does your teaching say about the character of God? And if it's anything less than love, it's heresy. And so if you have a God the Father who's so offended that he won't even return your calls because you've offended him by talking to one of the other Godhead instead of directly to him, or use some mail service, the Holy Spirit mail service, um, what does that say about God? And it's not beautiful, and it's not loving. And so that's why I say we have to take a look at it. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was told in my growing up that the Holy Athlete, my grandmother, told me that the Holy Spirit is a whisper into my conscience. Yes. My invisible counselor and my invisible guide. Yes. And so what it's doing here is taking your groanings and he's whispering in your ear, well, you should probably do this. And then he goes and he whispers to God the Father. He's, he's just this whisperer around. And it's kind of annoying. Could you please speak up? My niece, when she was four years old, 
my sister was trying to have a conversation with her about listening to the still small voice of God and how he tries to help you do what's right. She had just gotten in big trouble, and, and she's saying, but you got to listen for it. It's a still small voice. And my four-year-old niece says, I know. I keep trying to tell him to speak up, but he won't. According to Scripture, and this is something we're going to continue to see, the Holy Spirit is not a whisperer. Whenever it uses the word pneuma and dunamis, the two major words that are surrounding the Holy Spirit, this is dynamite. It's a dynamite blast. It's not a whisper. Unfortunately, the reason why, in my opinion, we hear the Holy Spirit as a whisper is because we've become so earthly calloused that the Holy Spirit shouting comes across as a whisper to me. But he's shouting. It's a blasting wind. Numa is not a whisper. It's a blasting, earth-shattering wind. But because my ears have become calloused, it's as if it's so distant, I hear it like a whisper. Hmm. Now, I want us to take a look at what it says here when it says at the beginning, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What does that help mean? What might it mean that the Spirit helps us in our weakness? Anybody have a guess? How do you think the Spirit helps us in our weakness? Our weakness is because we do not know God and His will and what He's going. Yes. The Holy Spirit reveals God, and as we know God, we know where we are to go. Yes, absolutely. And that truly stays faithful to the context of these two verses and the verses before and after it, the will of God. I want you to hang on to what Harvey just said because we're coming back to that for an application, especially as we get to verse 27. So I want you to hang on to what Harvey just said, but I want you to see an extra element in how the Holy Spirit helps you. Now, it's a big word. We read the word helps. H-E-L-P-S, five letters, easy to read in English. If you look here on the study guide at the English word, sinantelambanatai, that is a big word. It's interesting because this word is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's used in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Those of you who've memorized your scripture, you already know that's the story of Mary and Martha when all the disciples and this whole entourage is there and Martha is there working saying, we got to feed these people. She comes out of the kitchen and where's Mary? Where's her help? She's kneeling at the feet of Jesus, not helping at all. And Martha comes out and she says, look, I need help. Same word. The word means I've got so much to do, it is impossible for me to do this by myself. This word is also used in Greek literature, for example, if you had something very large. I'm going to use something modern here. Let's say I have a huge conference table right here in front of me. And you come along, strapping and strong, and I say, hey, can you help me move this table? i got to move this table from here to over there. And you say yes, and we move it together. Now imagine this, because typically we pray like this. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray, but I need you to help me. We use this word for help. The Holy Spirit says, okay, you're at the other end of the table. He comes to the other end. He grabs you. You say, great, and you walk away. 
Let me know how that turns out. I hope it's not too long because my faith is shaken when I have to wait too long for an answer to prayer. Please help me. This word for help is never ever used as help me do what I was doing. Help me do what I want. This word is simply used when you say, I need assistance. The Holy Spirit comes in as your prayer partner at times when you don't know what you ought to pray for. We're going to come back to that. And you say, I need help. He says, let me help. Let me grab the other end. He grabs the other end, and immediately in that moment of prayer, you and God are tangibly connected. Because he's not going to let go of his end. He's faithful. And so, when we don't know what we ought to pray for, we cry for help, the Holy Spirit grabs the other end, and now the question is, where do we take it? Where, where are we going with this? That's where it gets into the first part of the text. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Now, I know growing up, my belief of this text, as it was taught to me, was the whole belief that at times when I'm so frustrated, I don't even, I don't even know. I've... I've asked for this, I've asked for that, and now I don't even know what to ask because I haven't received any of it. I'm just frustrated. And so I've groaned, and then the Holy Spirit groans, God groans, and then they come back and say, they're there. God loves you, and God commiserates with you. Hang in there, little guy. Uh, we, we completely understand your frustration. That's what I thought this verse means. And I'm telling you, by the end of today, you will see this is not anywhere close to what that verse means. Not anywhere close to what this verse means. What does it do to you to see the Holy Spirit as someone who helps, who says, let me grab the other end? How is this the same or different than what you've already had in your mind? What is this doing to you in your thoughts? I'm praying, God, I need your help, and the Holy Spirit says, here, I got the other end. What does that do for you? Does that change the way that you view what happens in prayer? At this moment, many people look at prayer as a solitary, lonely activity. This verse says, no, 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 no. The moment you get yourself to the place to where you say, I need help, you are no longer alone. You have a prayer partner, and that prayer partner is God himself. It's like saying, I need help, and someone stronger than Superman comes and says, oh, I can lift that. That's easy. Hang on, I'll lift you too. So as we look at this, we see the Holy Spirit comes, he helps us by grabbing the other end, and now we have the question, where do we go with this? That's where the first part of the verse comes in. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Do me a favor. Those of you who have your Bibles, your Bible apps, I want you to just kind of scan back before verse 26, and I want you to look at verses 23, verses 24. What can you see there by way of uh, context? What are the people talking about in verses 23, 24, 25, leading up to it? Just shout it out, and I'm, I'm going to write it down as you shout it out. What's, what's something in verse 23 that you see? What's, what's happening? First fruits, okay. And, and what about the first fruits? Okay, about having them. What else do you see there? Groanings. 
Yes, this whole section's about groanings. Everyone's groaning. Okay, so we got some groanings. What are they groaning about? Who's groaning? The people are. Okay, so this isn't God groaning. This is the people. What are the people groaning about? Ultimately, the second coming? They're groaning because soon has not happened yet. Those pansies have no idea what soon means to us compared to them. Okay? If anyone understands groaning and waiting, it's us 2,000 years later groaning. I thought soon was sooner than now. Okay? What else do you see? They're eagerly awaiting. What else? They have hope. That's what's sustaining them, isn't it? What else do you see? Yes. Understanding forgiveness. Perseverance, yes. I'm sorry? Yes, they want to be released from suffering. No more pain. You, do you get the emotional context of what's happening before verse 26. Everyone's focus here is about the second coming. When's Jesus coming back? Come on, come back. Our, our life stinks. We're going through persecution. We're going through pain. We're going through sickness. We're, we're tired of waiting. We understand the plan of salvation. We understand redemption has been paid. We cannot wait for God to come back and make things right. That is the emotional context when you step into verse 26, where it says, you know, there's times we just don't know what we ought to pray for. And groanings happen again. As you look at what takes place in the next verse, verse 27, which says, And he, God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of man. The will of God? Are you kidding me? So, at times when I don't know what I ought to pray for, is it talking about, I don't know whether I should work here at Loma Linda or accept the job at Redlands. I don't know if I should marry this person or marry that person. I don't know if I should date this person. I don't know if I should reply to this email. I don't know if I should buy this house or not. Should my car be red or silver? Lord, I don't know what I ought to pray for. This is a very different prayer, and unfortunately a different prayer than we typically pray. Because this is not a prayer when you don't know what your will uh, will be accomplished. This is a prayer saying there are times when I'm trying to respond to this passionate stirring in my heart that the Holy Spirit has touched me and said, you were made for something bigger. All of you know this feeling because all of you have felt this feeling. You all were made for something bigger. God has a purpose and a plan and a will for your life. And at times when you're at the transitional intersections of your life, when you don't know God, if I do this, will it advance my purpose? Or if I do this, will it advance the purpose that you've planted in me? What should I do? I don't know what to do. It's in those moments that the Holy Spirit grabbing the other end of the table says, I know where to put this because I know where to place you today so that you'll fulfill your purpose tomorrow. 
This text is not about God comforting you in your frustration. This is about a powerful God that says, I can place you where you need to be. I can move you to places you can't get on your own. At times when you don't know the will of God for your life. I've counseled people for 25 years now whose consistent question is, how do I know God's will for my life? This text is all about that. You don't have to know because you have a prayer partner who says, let me grab the other end, and if you'll trust me, I'll take you the next step so that you will step into the will of God. And the next thing you know is you look around and you realize, this is so cool. I am doing something meaningful for God's kingdom with my life because the Holy Spirit translated my vision into God's vision. That's the groanings. That's the translation. So knowing that, let me ask you what you think about that. How does that change the way you think we should pray and involve the Holy Spirit? Right down over here. The most humble and most difficult prayer I know is to say, thy will be done and mean it. Because I want to say, here's a few things I want you to accomplish. Absolutely. Question back here. Related to what he said, I was going along the same track, is often I was believing that the Holy Spirit was more of a parole officer, and what we should do, should not do, all of the rules, and coming into relationship now, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to study my Sabbath school lesson, I've got to study, I don't have time, but the time gets made because I want to be in relationship and I wonder if that occurs in the prayer when the spirit becomes indwelling rather than a list of things to accomplish. When we submit to that will, what needs to be accomplished, where we need to be, just happens. Hmm. Very good. Anybody else? One of my favorite verses dealing with uh, God's will is in John 6. When Jesus is talking about, um, to clarify for the disciples when they're saying, hey, tell us more. And Jesus says, this is what God's will is. He's, his will is that everybody who wants to be in relationship with me is saved and gets to restore that relationship. And so when you start to see Jesus, this is how I've always felt, is that you can't help be, be drawn into that. And if you accept that, that you want to be a part of that relationship that's when you come to this point where you say, okay, now what? Yeah. And I'm seeing that that's where the Holy Spirit steps in and says, okay, you ready? Let's go to the next step. Yeah, I love it. Back here in the, in the back. Uh, I might be a little dense, but I, I love the concept that you just explained about the Holy Spirit and what he said, but how do you apply it to real life? I want to hmm. know because... I have so many questions about where I should be, where I should be doing. Should I be doing this ministry? Should I be? And so it's hard for me, as much as I pray and I ask, I want to do your will. Sometimes the concept of the table, I don't know if I'm not carrying my part, but how do I apply that to, um, I don't know, to a more nowadays? Yeah. Like, you know, like, should I be, you know, um, should I be doing this ministry? Should I like, sell everything and go to a mission field? Like, you know, mm -hmm. 
I know it's kind of like probably superficial. I don't know. <laughs> to me, no. it's important. Yeah. How do I apply it is my question to you. And that is the question I hope everyone is asking today. Because when you realize that when you come to God in prayer and you don't know what you ought to pray, because you want your life to have eternal meaning and eternal significance for God's kingdom, because you love God and you're, you're growing every day, trying to do everything you can to get closer to Him, you want to show Him you're serious, you want to show Him you're committed, but you do not know what you ought to pray. It is in those moments that I hope today you will see something that possibly you've never seen before. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit, who is not merely a messenger service for God, but the Holy Spirit, who is God, says, I will give you one-on-one -on -one attention, and I will be connected to you in this moment of dialogue to the Godhead, I will grab the other end, and you won't have the question of should I sell all and go to Africa? Should I do this? Should I do that? Because the Holy Spirit will go up to the Father and say, Norelli's greatest desire is to serve in the way that you made her. When you designed her purpose, and we see this in five points in Scripture, that God creates your purpose and then he sends you to earth and wraps you with flesh and says, I have plans for you. And now you are here on earth saying, I want to do the will of God, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do to get there. The Holy Spirit says, don't worry about it. I am God and I am connected to you. And I like this picture better. Instead of picking up the table, he picks up your hand. And he says, I'm connected to you. You are directly connected to the Godhead. And I'm going to go directly, not without you, but with you, to God the Father. And I'm going to say, look, Norelli doesn't know what the next steps are. Can you help explain? You're the chief strategist. As I look at the Godhead, God the Father is the chief strategist. When Jesus is trying to figure out, are we doing this right? He always confers with the Father. He is the one who's the chief strategist that says, look, together as a team, this is what I made her for. Here's where she's at now. Perhaps she's closer than I thought she'd be to living her life purpose. Perhaps there's a few obstacles that have gotten in the way. Where do we take her next? And being connected to God in that moment, God inspires you in a way that is unquenchable. You cannot help but do the steps you need to take because God is in a very kind way, poking at you, saying, do it, do it, do it. Come on, this is what you got to do. And other people are saying, you're crazy. I don't understand what you're doing. Why, why would you do that? And you say, I just know this is what God is leading me to do. And you do something that some people may think is counterproductive, but as you step through that door, God is translating from your vision of God's will for your life into his vision of your life. And those two visions begin to translate from these groanings into solid plans that become real in your life, and you begin to see, why am I so effective? Why am I so happy? Why am I such at peace when I never on my own would have made the decision to get here? And it's in that moment that your prayer gets translated into God's prayer. And as you continue praying, holding on to the Holy Spirit, that's where he translates you into his vision for your life and the fulfillment that you receive. I've said before, God doesn't want you happy. 
He wants your life to have meaning. Um, What I mean by that is not that you'll be sad. God's will for your life is that you'll be fulfilled. And that fulfillment can only come from living the life that God planted in your heart and you knew even when you were a kid. You were meant for something greater. And so from that standpoint, this prayer is the translation from what you don't know into what only God knows. And it is the process, the communication process of God translating you to where he needs you to be, to live out your life calling. But the overwhelming sense of, I have to do it, there's no other, there's no other thing, I'm passionate about this, is consistently how I've seen God lead people, including myself, into doing things that we've said we would never do. Sharon. On the other hand, I think it's really important that we stay in constant communication with the Holy Spirit because what God has planned for us changes as we grow old. And I think if we realize that we have always been where God put us, where he wanted us to be, we will also realize that he never is going to allow us to be in a situation where we can do nothing to praise him or to fulfill his will for us. But it's going to be different from what it was when we led the junior division when we were 35. Yes. And it would save a lot of regret if we realized that he still leads. It's tailor-made always. I totally agree, Sharon. Um, I do see that in the same way that Christ apprenticed his disciples, he didn't pour uh, pour everything into them on one day and say, okay, you've had your crash course, take your quiz, and we'll see who passes. They followed him. And little by little, he led them. And unfortunately, even with three and a half years, he said, there's still so much more I'd, I'd like to teach you, but you're not yet ready for it. He didn't say they would never receive it, but they weren't ready at that moment. That's where the Holy Spirit steps in and says, okay, remember, uh, I'm your advocate. In the same way that Christ said, I'm going to send you another advocate, referring to himself, saying, I've been your advocate, your paraclete, the one that's come alongside you. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another one. There is stage two of your discipleship. We are living in stage two of discipleship, where we have God who says, Apprentice under me. I'll take you there. I'll teach you what you need when you need to know. Rod? Here from uh, earlier in Romans 8, from the Phillips translation, it says, All who follow the leading of God's Spirit are God's own sons. Nor are you meant to relapse into the old slavish attitude of fear. You have been adopted into the very circle of God. And you can say with a full heart, Father, my Father. The Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction that we are really the children of God. Think what that means. If we are children, we share his treasures. And all that Christ claims as his will will belong to all of us as well. Yes, if we share in his suffering, we shall certainly share in his glory. Absolutely. Rod, what a, what a beautiful way to show where this all leads. That scripture shows us exactly what God's ultimate intent is. He wants to adopt you and make it official. He wants to take you home. He wants to dwell with you and in you and around you. All he wants is to be with you. The beauty that we can take home today is when you pray, and some of you are at junctures in your life where you're like, I need this prayer right now. In fact, this is exactly the information I needed today because I don't know what I ought to pray. 
Now, mind you, some of you may be saying, well, you know, I've already taken care of all those life decisions. I'm getting up in age. Let me remind you, Moses was 80. Abraham was 100. God's will has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your breath. As long as you have breath, God's will is still at work in you. And some of you, I'm telling you straight out, the reason why you're still alive is because your will uh, from God, the very purpose that you were made for, has not yet been completed. And the reason why you are still breathing when several of your classmates may not is because God still has his divine will that he is working through you, something that will have infinite, eternal consequences. Can I invite you today, as you pray this week, to say a prayer a little differently? Pray knowing that the Holy Spirit is there saying, can I partner with you? Can I help you? Because what God has planned for you, you cannot lift on your own. God has planned for you something that is humanly impossible. And what I need you to do is I need you to grab onto the other end, and even though it doesn't make sense where we're going, let's go. Come with me, because what you will see is the very will of God that will accomplish something you will never, ever see on your own. And the fulfillment that you will receive in knowing that you are partnered with God himself will change your life and the lives of all those around you. Wow, the Bible surely is powerful when it shows what God is trying to share with you and how he's trying to help you. I hope that this episode has brought you great courage and excitement and inspiration. And I hope you'll come back for episode 23, because in episode 23, we talk specifically about how does the Holy Spirit actually change your cravings, things, temptations that you've had your entire life, things that are these cyclical sins you just find yourself in over and over and over again. How do you change your nature into the nature of God? How do you escape that cycle? I'll tell you, if you have a loved one who cannot escape the cycle of addiction, that is the episode you want them to listen to, because I guarantee it will give them the tools from scripture that help them know how do I stop doing the things that I just have not found victory in before. So we invite you to come back for episode 23. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.